Hello and welcome to It's a Woman's World. Well, we are talking about and continuing the conversation of women in leadership. And I am your host, Jamela Pettiford. Let me introduce my co-host, Nadia Giordana. Hi, I'm glad to be here with you all today. I think this is going to be an extremely important discussion. Absolutely. Thank you for being with us, Nadia. And Candy Pettiford. I'm excited to be here. It's a great day to be alive and we're going to have some fun, y'all. Let's get ready. That's right. And our wonderful guest that we have here, who has many titles, Wendy Jones. Welcome, Wendy. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So one of your titles is that you are a publisher. What got you into the publishing realm and leading in that way? Well, I didn't have a choice because um, the, the story that I wanted to tell was my mother's story in her words. And it was, she is the one who pushed the story from just autobiography to autobiography with history. Black history, all the obstacles she had to fight against had to do not just because she was a woman, but because she was a black woman and and it was race, class and gender. And uh, I did have someone who was on the verge of becoming my agent, but really didn't want the history in it. And even my editor um, didn't want the history in it. And I said, the history stays. So the history stays. The history stays. Very because nice. without the history, the story made no sense. The story wouldn't make any sense. So you wrote a book. Tell yes. us about your book. Well, yeah. the book, An Extraordinary Life, mm. Josephine E. Jones. And it's, it's about um, my mother who was born in 1920 in, in uh, Cross Hill, South Carolina, not far from, from Greenville. It's sort of in the north part of the state. She was from a sharecropping family. Oh, by the way, 1920 was the year the white women got the vote. All right. She wasn't one of the people who got the vote, obviously, even if she'd been old enough. In 1946, she left uh, to work as a cook in, in private homes to New York City, in New York City. By 1967, my mother, and I didn't figure this out until uh, an editor pointed it out to me, was probably the first Black woman in management to, uh, in a Fortune 500 company. All right. This is 1967. She was the only black person in the building. There were no black janitors. There were no black mail carriers. She was the only black person in the building at that time. Now, so, was your father in the picture anywhere at all, Wendy? Well, uh, that's another thing. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, she became a single parent when I was six months old. Uh, the marriage broke up and I'm sure she was upset about it, but instead of falling apart, what she did is pulled herself together and work three jobs to make sure I got the best possible education I could. Because we were in New York City, and she had said, when she came to New York in 1946, hadn't even met my father, she said, if I ever get married and ever have a child, they will not go to a public school in New York City. You know why? She went to vote, and this is the first time she could vote because she registered right away so she could vote right in the North. And it was, it was a reeking of urine. This is the school where she was voting. Uh, it was full of graffiti. She said, you can't learn in an atmosphere like that. No. And, and she saw on the buses that the, 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 the white children in the private schools had different books. So how could you learn if you weren't learning from the same, same curricula? 
So yeah. those three jobs made sure that I got the best education. And she was working in people's homes doing private parties in addition to working at the, the company for the benefits. So I went with her, you know, mm-hmm. she wasn't leading me somewhere. I was usually with her when she was working. I got to finish my question then. Was your father in your picture, in your life at all? He lived in the neighborhood. And uh, I didn't know it then, but he lived in the neighborhood. And when I was about four or five, it occurred to me that I wasn't a clone of my mother. I thought she was a woman. I was a, I was a girl who was going to become a woman. So I didn't know you needed to have two parents. But it seemed that other people had two parents. So I said, do I have a father? And she said, everybody has a father. And I said, well, where's mine? And we were walking to um, uh, a cousin's house uh, who was like my third grandmother. And um, the the person coming towards us, she said, there's your father right there. And he said, oh, I'm your uncle. She said, don't say that. Well, he he would not admit that he was my father because he felt, I guess, that he wasn't acting like a father. So I said, oh, that's not him because she had a friend who would come uh, uh, to see her. And I said, he's my father. I said, no, he's not your father. But I, you know, no, he was not in my life at all. Oh, wow. 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 That's such beautiful stories. Um, and that is the richness of our lives. And I, and I can just imagine that is the reason why you write. That is the reason why yes. you put together uh, great stories so that people really can, can understand the power of life and history and ordinary people kind of doing extraordinary things. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because yeah. um, we know about um, the people who become famous, and I have no problem with them becoming famous, but there are people who have what we would call ordinary lives, who are, who are fighting extraordinary pressures, right? Yes. You know, so um, this is, I just felt so honored that my mother trusted me with her story. Right? Mm. She didn't, she didn't, you know, look over my shoulder and say, well, what are you doing? And it is, she just, I just said, look, just start from where you, where you remember the farthest back you remember, I'll tape it. I'll, you know, and with my little 12 minutes, you know, 12 words a minute, you know, transcribe it. I did get at one point a little money to, for a professional to do some of it, but most of it I did myself. Very did nice. your mother come from a large family, and can you talk about some of the influences that may have helped develop her character? She was one of nine. There were seven girls and two boys. And I'll tell you a story. Um, her father was one of the best um, examples of who, how she, you know, how she lived her life. She said he was the role, her role model. Um, they were. Um, she, uh, the three of her sister and her, her older sister and her younger brother and her, the three of them were, um, uh, their father said that there was a, a woman who, who wanted them to pick blackberries and she would give them a dime for every basket. So my mother was 12, her older sister was 14, her, her, um, her brother was, was 10. And so they picked the baskets of, blue, of blackberries and, and the woman's supposed to give them a dime for each basket, right? Well, she decides she's going to give them some of her clothes. Now she's maybe 70 years old. Right. So she gives her, my mother's older sister a hat that she that my mother said that, you know, was so old that it just disappeared on the way home. Right. Because it was so falling apart, uh, gave my uh, her younger brother uh, a shirt that was so big that her father probably wore it. And mm. she was going to she said she she didn't know what she was going to give her. My mother said, no, I don't want that. I want the dime. I'm keeping my blackberries. Mm. And, and the woman's the woman got all upset. And the father said, look, I'll give her the dime. And the woman said, well, you should do something about that. You know, so no, no, she knows what she wants, you know. So her father stood up for her, 
Her father was her role model. And this is a direct um, connection to the way she was in the corporate world. At one point for two years, uh, she became the, the uh, head of the employee's cafeteria of standard brands. You remember Chase and Sanborn Coffee, Royal okay. Gelatin, Planters Peanuts? Yeah. That standard brands. Okay. As, as part of the employee benefits, you got to have lunch that was like 1930s prices. So you paid like 35 cents for a sandwich, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, so you, you got, it was subsidized. Uh, and then they gave you free coffee, but you know, you pay this, you know, it's for $7 a week, you could eat like a king. Right. And this is in the in the in the in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were in the midtown. So you would have had to pay much more money. At any rate, she eventually, as I said, in 67, became the supervisor. For two years, they had not had a had a, a living, uh, a raise, right? So mm -hmm. she went to the the the, the supervisor, uh, uh, you know, who was the head of, of her area, and she said, Look, we haven't had a raise. And uh, he said, Okay, I didn't know that because they had changed people and they didn't know. I said, Okay. Um, they, they came to her with the raise and they said, Look, now you have this budget, but you can keep the two years, the retroactive pay for yourself and not give your, uh, your staff the, their raises. They can just get what they would have gotten two years ago and you can keep the, the rest of it. She said, no, my people work very hard. I'm going to get a retroactive raise and they're going to get a retroactive raise. Now the staff would never have known this. And this is what mm. they were doing throughout the company. The mm. people were taking the raises of their staff and putting it in their salaries. Mm. You know, and, and one woman, uh, um, you know, this is a white woman, she, she uh, retired in 1978 with $135 a week, all right? They would not raise her salary. She was trying to get more so she could get more Social Security. They were mm -hmm. keeping the money for themselves. She would not do it, right? She knew what she was worth and she knew what her people were worth and she, she, would, she would not do it. Mm. Wow. So you have learned through watching, through listening, through the stories of your life, you have seen women in leadership. Yes, yes. yes. You have seen the struggles. Yes. Um, and, and, and I know that there have been some triumphs in this, in this journey. Yes. Do you speak to any of those triumphs of, you know, really overcoming, you know, this monster of male-ran corporate America? What are some of the triumphs that you speak to in your story about your mother? What are some of the things that you have witnessed her overcome in leadership that you have taken on maybe even for yourself, that you even employ even now, you know? Well, I, I think I, what I saw was well, at a certain point, the, the company was taken over and they, they took the, uh, the uh, employee's cafeteria and outsourced it. So the food was no longer hers because she was more than an administrator. She was an artist. So okay. she made food that was so beautiful. People didn't even want to eat it. And mm. that's and, and uh, so and, and that's also in the book. Um, but what I saw was when they did that, there were a lot of things they wanted to do and she would not let them do it. Mm. All right. You it's true. You have to know how to talk to people, but sometimes you have to be blunt. Sometimes mm -hmm. you and she she talked she she decided what because she, she knew she the food they were getting was substandard and it was going to make people sick it was full of fat it was it was not nutritious and this was a food company she felt that they should they'd had good food before so she she took a walk back to where we used to live she bought a brownstone in okay. 1976 in Harlem okay. we'd always lived in Harlem but she bought a brownstone nice. so she went back to where she used to live to take a walk and say what should I say and what's the worst that can happen. He says, I need to tell them the truth. She said, what's the worst they can do? They can fire me. 
All right. right. So she went ahead and she told them, this is substandard food. I wouldn't eat it. I'm not going to taste it. I'll put it out. I'll, I'll, I'll follow, you know, whatever your menu is, but it is not my food and it's not up to my standards. Mm, and wow. she was blunt, right? Sometimes wow. you have to do that. Yes. Right? So that's what I've learned that, yes, I can be diplomatic. I spent three years in Japan. Even if I didn't know how to dip, be diplomatic, I certainly learned more of it there, right? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, um, I know there are sometimes you have to say what you have to say and you decide, right. is it worth the consequences? Yes, it is. Yeah. She could have been fired. She wasn't. But if she was, she felt I've stood up for myself and my people and I've done what I should do. Mm. I want to ask you, Wendy, I, I kind of want to ask you, now there were some white people that did come along and rally behind your mother. Was there anyone that you, there had to be some, because oh, yeah. we know that everybody's not all the same. So there had to be some white women, white people that came along and said, I'm rallying behind her. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, what do you say about that, Wendy? Well, there was. Um, in fact, it's very interesting is that, and I didn't know this either. This is one of those secrets I, you know, I found out later. The person who became the head of the company, um, Mr. Waggle, had been the corporate lawyer. And when my mother first went there as a temp, she went as a temp for two weeks and ended up staying 31 years because she was so good, right? Okay. So um, she was now there permanently. And um, my father had not paid the, the bill for my birth and uh, the, the, the hospital was dunning her for the money. And she told them, look, it's $150, but she said it felt like uh, $15,000 to her. She said, I can pay you $10 a month. She said, that's what I can pay you. And the woman wouldn't take it at the hospital. They tried to garnish her salary. And when they, when they, when they did that, um, the supervisor said, we don't do that here. She said, well, look, I'll open up a manhole. I'll go to jail, but I am not because the woman wanted her to go on relief. And she said, mm -hmm. I'm not going on relief. She said, I've got a job. I've got one child. I will take care of her. I'm not going on the relief. So she said, look, we have a corporate lawyer, Mr. Waggle. Uh, you meet with him. Mr. Waggle at that time was the lawyer, the corporate lawyer. Later, he became the CEO. But he sat down with her, heard the story. And he said, look, they don't need that money that badly. And it's in your spouse's name. So um, you don't have to pay it, but it'll ruin your credit. She said, I need my credit. My father always said your name was more important than gold. So oh, he yeah. said, look, I'm going to make up a payment agreement. I'm going to call this woman. I'm gonna, she said, we'll, we'll pay it for you outright. She said, no, no, I don't want any favors. I can pay it, but I could only pay it the way I can pay it on a monthly basis. So he said, OK, $10 a month, um, 15 months. I'm going to make up that agreement. He called the woman and said, look, we don't treat people like this. I said, this woman is working for us. She's a very good employee. Said, you're going to take this the way she, she says, and she's going to pay you because I know she, she, she uh, is, is an honest person. And that's what she did, $10 a month for 15 months. And he wow. became the head of, the, of, the, of, of Standard Brands. So when she couldn't get anybody to listen to her at this level, she would go to him. And, before, and see, I didn't know this story. But when I graduated from college, he had a, a bracelet made for me from Tiffany's to celebrate my graduation. And he called yeah. me into his office to talk about my future and what, you know, what might be careers I could follow, right? And I had no idea, he never said, oh, when you were a baby, he never, he never told me this story. Mm. I didn't hear this story until my mother told me, right? Wow. But, and he would always tell people when they came to, to visit, you know, the people from other parts of the, because this is an international company, right? He would, he would always tell them about my mother and, and about her raising me. 
right? So he would always tell her story. And when he when she would do special luncheons for, for those, for the executives, and he would write her a handwritten note telling her how wonderful the food was. Mm. Wow. As, uh, as far as members of your family and yeah. children coming up and even uh, friends, uh, Josephine must have been a towering inspiration. Is there anyone that, that has voiced that in the family about her being their inspiration? Well, there's there's definitely sort of a, a love-hate relationship about my mother. They all look up to her and she was very helpful to people, but they didn't always appreciate it. But I will tell you that when my, um, I had, uh, there are a lot of twins in our family. And these fraternal twins, they came, uh, they had been living with my grandmother, uh, who had been a second marriage. They came to New York when my grandmother um, left that house down south. And um, they, the stepfather did not want them to finish high school. They had one more year. They were in 11th grade, right? Mm. He said, they, they're not coming to my house if they're not working. And my aunt allowed him to do that. So now they had to get jobs at, in 11th grade, right? So my mother took them down to what was then the meat district in Manhattan and got them enrolled in butchering and they liked it. And one of my, um, my cousins, uh, only the Waldorf Astoria would ask for him by name to, 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 to do their, their meat because they didn't want anyone else to cut their meat but my cousin, right? Mm. And what people said to her, um, she would bring, she watch, when she would, we would go down to visit, we had lot, I've set, like 17 first cousins and I don't know how many second and third cousins. And so she would bring down paper and pencil and various things to see what talents people had. And my cousins, they're artists, they're musicians, they're singers, they're oh. dancers, but mm. they, they never get to get their potential. But she would try to, she would make sure that they knew that this is something I can do. And she mm. would applaud them for it, but they didn't, they, they, they wanted to be, she, she said, they said to her, we want to be like Wendy. She said, no, 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 you want to be like yourself. She saw mm. people's potential and she didn't care what you could do. I had a, I had an aunt who could fix anything that was broken without having any training, but she never, mm. she didn't see this as a gift. My mother was always praising her, said, you know, you should go to text. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. Right. It was something there, but she always wanted to lift as the, as you climb. You know, that that motto from the, the, the Colored Women's Association, I think Mary Church Terrell first made it popular, but I think it came from the mother country because in the mother country, we're collective, all right? We want everybody to succeed. And that's what she was. She was a person who wanted everyone she saw to succeed in however so, they saw success. It sounds like she was a connector. Yeah. It sounds like not only was she there to, of course, take care of you, Wendy, and to be good to you. And she saw an opportunity to get other people into position and to lock them in. Mm -hmm. And it's nice when you have a, you know, a woman who can look and identify gifts, mm -hmm. identify skill, and be able to promote. We often um, hear about the crab in the barrel, you know, yeah, yeah. where there's people who won't promote you. If they see that you got good stuff going on, they, they'll yeah. deny you the opportunity or won't right. give you the opportunity. Right. But it sounds as though not only was she a strong woman in leadership, yeah. but 
she also was an innovative woman who was impactful at helping others to become uh, um, beneficial and helpful in corporate America as well. Yeah. Now, with with all the things that you've done from publishing to writing, you know, your book, you know, and then you mentioned the Women's Association. Yeah. How did you get plugged into the African-American Women's Association and how has that influenced you in the ways that you have propelled forward even yourself in leadership? Well, that, that I was talking about the historical group that, that Mary Church Terrell had, but mm-hmm. what I've done is I've done what my mother, see, I said to someone, someone needed some help with something. And I said, get in touch with me. And a deadline was approaching. I said, look, my mother didn't work three jobs for you not to get in touch with me when you need help. Then my education wasn't just for me. It was right. for all of us. So what I do is that it, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a writer. I was at one point an English professor for several years, and I, I help people with writing. Um, I, um, I see what I was given as something to be shared, right? Because yeah. like my mother, lift as we climb, all right? lift as we climb. So uh, I'm involved in, uh, there's a political group. We're trying to make sure the country doesn't fall into, it's on the edge of fascism right now. And mm-hmm. so we've been working for several years. And in fact, we, we were able to, to get our, our little town here in Springfield to not allow fracking in our, we finally got, after six years, we finally got them to write a law, not a resolution, which is not legally, you know, it has no legal strength, but a law. So I guess what I've done with what my mother gave me is I've spread it around and I've, I've connected with other people to, to help them. And, and of course I get help too. I mean, I'm always learning from people. I mean, the variety of things that I've learned from people uh, is, is just amazing. I, I, I tell people all the time, I said, you've just, just given me some more brain cells, you know? <laughs> well, you know what? Let me just ask this question. You know, we've got a lot of young people. What would you say to, uh, let's say, a 10-year-old, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15? What would you tell the young Black children now? What would, you, what, would, what would be your words of inspiration, Wendy? Well, find your passion. Don't say, well, everyone, you know, everyone tells me I should get into computers or everyone says I should do X. Figure out what your passion is. And if you're lucky, you can, you can go to places where it's free or low cost. The why, uh, your, 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 your spiritual community, maybe you sing, maybe you dance, maybe you write. Maybe, and don't listen to anybody saying, well, Black people don't do that. Now, I've heard that from Black people, which yes, really is, is more, more upsetting. No, 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 no. Um, as I came back from college and people were saying, black people don't do this, black people don't do that. And my mother said, look in the mirror. You've been black all your life. Anything you do is a black person doing it. So don't let anybody tell you black people don't do this and black people don't do that. That's all right. right. Just like in the movies now, that people are in all genres. They're in, they're, in, they're in horror, they're in comedy, they're in this. You don't put anybody in a box and certainly don't put yourself in a box. So find, you know, do every, just try things, try things, right? Even if you fail, because if, if you never fail, it means you never tried anything that was difficult. Yes, very yes. good. And anything worthwhile we know is difficult at times. It's challenging, right? Yeah, to, to spell we it correctly. So, so Ida Bell Publishing named after Ida B. Wells. Very nice. Well, that's easy to remember. That's very easy to remember. And I, I would like to ask for the folks who are coming up, the, the black women who are coming up, who might say, I didn't know my dad, who said my mom was a hard worker, you know, and she, you know, fought for me and put me through some of the best schools. What words 
of encouragement and wisdom would you give to some black women who say, I would love to write, I would love to publish. I don't, I don't know my dad. I, you know, feel like I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them uh, on their journey in this corporate America in leadership? Well, I think the thing is, is that, and I did forget that I did meet my father to remember him on his deathbed which was also his birthday and was also the day he first met my mother at the Savoy and was also the day he first proposed to her because he proposed to her many times. I would say, write your story. I wrote a story about my, my, my father um, from his point of view because I know that there were things pushing him that you know, were terrible. So I would say, write. Don't, don't worry about, well, will this get published or whatever? Just write, write, write. No one can stop you from writing. Got a piece of paper. You, got a, you have a screen. If you want to do it on, by hand, just write. As Octavia Butler said, no one can stop you from writing and it will make you feel better too. All right. Write whatever it is that comes out. You can edit it later. Just write, just write. Very nice. Very good. Wow. Well, you know what, I, uh, Wendy, we, we've talked about so much and there's so much to know. We're going to look you up on the Ida B. Uh, Wells and we're going to find you and read about your story and about the powerful impact of your mother and um, any writers that are out there. If they need things published, guess what? They can they can contact you. I want to really thank those and really let let us know that the tapestry of our stories of our life is so enriching. And we know that behind every good woman is the woman who comes before her, according to my mother's story, Candy Pettiford. I, I want to thank you all. If you are a woman in leadership and you are an African-American woman who is inspired by these stories, do as our dear sister Wendy suggested right put it down because we know that these stories echo into time and long after you're gone these stories will live and outlive you and so as we know the power of women the power of women in leadership i want to thank you again i am jamela pettiford and this is it's a woman's world thank you thank you so much <laughs>